Welcome to the Everyday Innovator Podcast for product managers, leaders, and innovators. Your host is Chad McAllister, helping you become a product master. Listen and get ready for higher performance, for the doctor is in. Hi, this is Chad, and this is where product leaders and managers make their move to product masters, learning practical knowledge that leads to more influence and confidence so you'll create products customers love. Two spheres of capabilities are needed for product managers to be really successful. One is competency in the processes, practices, and tools of product management. And that's where I spend much of my time helping product managers and teams. The other sphere is competency in what is often called the soft skills, and it's aligned with leadership. It is this sphere that many people find really the most difficult to master, especially those of us from technical backgrounds. Worse, a lot of us aren't even aware that we need help in these areas. And without these competencies, you are severely limiting your potential. That's really important. And my passion is inspiring and equipping product managers and leaders. And to that end, this is one of the most important discussions we've had yet on this podcast. I really mean that. At one point in this discussion with our guest, my passion for helping you and other product managers came out in the form of a few tears, actually, and hopefully that will make sense when you hear it. I don't get all emotional on the podcast, but the passion actually showed up well. My guest is Press Shaw, who is pursuing his passion of helping engineers transform into innovators, entrepreneurs, and inspiring leaders. And he has really good information to share with us as product managers aspiring to become leaders. Parrish taps into his experience as a mechanical engineer, Harvard MBA, serial entrepreneur, leadership coach, and other roles to inspire you to future-proof your career. Innovate more efficiently and advance faster. I think you're going to really enjoy it. You'll find the show notes where I summarize all the key points we discuss at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 217. Now to the interview. Hi, Presh. Thank you for joining the Everyday Innovators. Hey, Chad. Great to be here with you and your listeners. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm super delighted you are here. And listeners, you're in for a treat. We've been bantering for a while about the work that Presh does. And I'm so glad to find you because I have been looking for resources for how can we help product managers, engineers, technical people really grow into leadership. As listeners have heard me share before, I see product managers as kind of at the focal point that we're big levers of organizations. We work across all the functions and we should be moving into senior leadership roles because we provide a unique perspective. Short of me trying to come up with something myself, which I've thought about trying to go down that road, I was really hoping to find someone, and I found you, Presh. And you have programs to help with this. I'm just going to let you introduce this. I, I, if I say the term, you say it with so much more energy. So tell us about <laughs> your program and how this has come to be. Thanks a lot, uh, Chad. Appreciate it. You know, as you point out, and, and you're spot on, product managers, broadly speaking, project managers even, mm-hmm. uh, are like they're the nexus in companies. They are, you call it the focal point. You all think you all said you know they're they're the big lever because they work at the intersection. Very few um, functions work at the intersection at that nexus between all these different functions: engineering right. and you know marketing and even finance and and schedules and and things like that. And so um, there's a real possibility that as as companies today all want to transform into innovators, into you know companies that can attract and motivate and engage workers who love being there and who can create great things, systems, products, services, experiences. Um, we go, where do we turn to? A lot of our clients say, Paresh, where do we turn to to drive 
innovation and leadership. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the primary areas we uh, advise our CEOs to focus on is in the arena that you and your listeners uh, are playing in on the field, the, the field that that is so fun to play in, which is being a product manager or someone, you know, within that sphere. Um, and you, you know, you, you said, you know, they're, they're, they're the focal point. They're the big lever They're You know, they work across all these functions. Yes. And what I'll add to that, Chad, is I say this honestly is product managers are the least appreciated, most overworked and good ones are the most talented resources companies have. They work hard. Many people don't even know what they do. Many people are threatened by them. They don't have necessarily even direct reporting authority around all of these cats they need to corral to make things happen on schedule, in scope, on budget. Um, And they're often just not recognized for these unique talents. And so um, uh, often I call them the ugly ducklings. What we're finding is more and more companies are realizing these are the swans that can transform the leadership in their company, transform uh, actually the culture of the company, create innovation, um, and actually you know, create um, a, a place where people want to be part of, um, irrespective of their function. So, um, so I'm going to call you, Chad, the, uh, you know how there's like the the uh, the the dog whisperer and people like you you're like the ugly duckling whisperer who's creating swans out of all these product managers um, because great product managers are hard to find and they're very valued and these leadership skills that you're helping them learn and that we've been doing in workshops and mm-hmm. and now with some online training is um, is really the key is how do we get the skills we need so uh, ugly ducklings. We got Chad that we can all follow. Uh, <laughs> I, I like it. The, the whisper to become swans. You know, we, we, we need more swans. I like that. How, how did you get involved with this? Just a little bit of your background from you know engineering, helping engineers recognize you know how do you, the skills needed to become leaders. Well, I got into it because I am one. <laughs> you know that old commercial, which is. Um, I think it was for Remington shavers, where the guy said, "I love the shave so much." I bought the company. Uh-huh. I built the company. Well, in a similar way, I uh, and my partners, one of my business partners, uh, Dr. Eliza, is um, uh, she's a scientist, biochemist, uh, and a PhD in, in the science realm. We realized that in our own careers, uh, we struggled with this because uh-huh. we were geeks. I'm a mechanical engineer. I worked in uh, the radar industry, just like you, Chad. Uh-huh. Uh, radar, communications gear, working at uh, what used to be um, uh, Westinghouse Defense Electronics, and now it's Northrop Grumman. So we worked on some really cool cutting-edge defense stuff for the AWACS radar, the F-16 and stuff. And so I'm a geek through and through. And um, one of the t-shirts that we're, we're getting some art uh, concepts around is, you know, once a geek, always a geek. We are. We love problem solving, etc. So I was an engineer, and I loved solving problems and and being systematic and analytical and things. Um, and then I wanted to have an elevated perspective. In all honesty, I was getting bored. Um, I was working on a uh, literally speaking of being bored. I was working on a chipset that goes on a circuit board that goes in a module that goes in a box that goes in a radar system that goes in an F-16 that then flies a mission to save humanity or whatever mm-hmm. the mission is. And I was like, 
asking questions like, well, why are we fighting? <laughs> you know? I'm, I'm like, wait a minute. Is there another solution to, you know, the, 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 the way that the radar fits in the nose cone? And so I'm asking these bigger questions. And um, I said, you know what? Uh, I was encouraged to um, kind of be more strategic. Mm-hmm. And so I went to get my MBA and, uh, you know, be able to look at the kind of the bigger picture of pulling these pieces together because it took a real art. Frankly, also, in all honesty, Chad, um, I was finding that there were certain, let's call them peers of mine who were also technically oriented uh, and they were moving up faster than me. And I will admit I was jealous because I'm like, dude, I'm smarter than you. I'm smarter, <laughs> technically smarter. Why are these people moving up and making more money and right. having more responsibility and getting you know more um, uh, respect for their? And I didn't quite get it back then, uh-huh. you know, uh, 20, 30 years ago. Um, and I realized that just being technically strong ain't enough. And that is you know exponentially the case today. Um, you need other skills that. Uh-huh now teach uh, to be a leader. And so I went to business school and was fortunate uh, to get into Harvard Business School and um, had a fantastic time learning this new thing called business. I didn't know anything. I'm just a geek. I was an engineer. And we've got all these McKinsey people and Bain people and bankers and product managers from Procter & Gamble and Clorox and Coca-Cola. And I'm just like lost for a little while. Uh, but our problem-solving ability as technically, you know, as oriented folks, you know, and our thirst for learning is like, okay, let's figure this out. So I got my MBA and um, then I got very excited about business in general and strategy and leadership. Uh-huh. So I became like a leadership strategy management um, geek uh, in a new and a new geek and a junkie. And I worked for one of the top management consulting firms and I work with a whole bunch of great clients uh, on issues of innovation, strategy, leadership, um, uh, and uh, kind of market uh, alignment and uh, loved it. Uh, then I started uh, creating, so I, then I built my own consulting firm. Uh, I spun out after about six, seven years uh, and with a slant around innovation and creativity mm-hmm. uh, so that we can bring that left brain and right brain together because that was really missing. Even in the management consulting world, like we'd hit people with like a, you know, t- 10 terabyte Excel spreadsheet, <laughs> uh, and a, you know, 500 page PowerPoint deck to whiz them with new buzzwords and concepts and frameworks. And I could out framework anybody. Um, but it gets kind of old after a while because people don't need to be out frameworked, out conceptualized, out, you know, yeah. spreadsheeted. There's basic skills that you know organizations need, so that's what our firm uh, started focusing on, and we created a company which is called the Non Obvious Company, and I partnered with a, a, a business partner of mine um, who uh, is uh, just fantastic. Uh, innovator. And so we've been doing that. And I've been an entrepreneur. I've started several companies along the way, um, uh, sometimes with consul- with the consulting firm kind of going in parallel. Many people have side gigs these days, and often the side gigs end up taking on their own life. Right. And I became a speaker, um, and we're doing a lot of workshops for clients, uh, bri- bridging these domains of leadership, uh, product management, uh, technologists, and how do we, how do we elevate the, the capabilities of our organizations. And when you talk about elevating people, this is what we need to do to help the engineers, technical people, product managers come from many rounds, many different paths, but how do we help them become leaders? What areas are you specifically, have you found that we need to develop to become leaders? 
Oh, it's great. It's a great question. What we've done is based on about 25 years of work, we have synthesized a, a model that is working with our clients, you know, big companies and, you know, smaller organizations that are using our online training is what we call the 777 leadership transformation model. And the idea and the approach is to transform gearheads. Gearheads are geeks, nerds, IT folks, scientists, you know, people, product managers, the people we're, we're um, you know, helping here, transforming gearheads into group heads. Okay, I like that. So gearheads to group heads. That's right. Good job. That's right. Because a group head, and by the way, a group head, as we talk about in our training, doesn't necessarily mean that you have uh, direct reports, right. that you have a title, uh, that you necessarily have budget. A group head we define as uh, product managers and you know technically oriented people, gearheads, who have successfully made that bridge mm-hmm. into leadership. Right. And you can be a natural leader. The one people, ones people turn to naturally, even if you have no direct reports and say, exactly. hey, Chad, um, Chad's the one we turn to around innovation and how do we do trial and error? And how do we bring in new ideas? And, and so our job and what we're great at, um, because you know we need to decide what we're great at and not try to be everything. Mm-hmm. What we are great at is transforming people into these group heads, which are the new type of leaders every organization is craving. And what our company does, the non-obvious company, as well as the Gearhead to Grouphead Academy, is help organizations solve the four biggest problems that the CEOs that I coach and that we uh, work with are struggling with globally. We've been to every continent on this. And here are the four problems every leader's comp- uh, company or organization, or even governments that we consult with are facing. Number one, disruption and innovation. Yep. Every company is scared to death that they're going to be wiped out by that new thing and be blindsided. So we solve for that. We help organizations be great, non-obvious innovators because obvious thinking doesn't work. So we are experts at how do you create non-obvious innovation. Mm-hmm. Number one, the second challenge every organization is facing is how do we engage and motivate our workers? Seven out of 10 workers today in all domains, not just technically or program management, are what the Society for Human Resources Management calls disengaged. Seven out of 10, Chad. Can you imagine, like you go to like a football game and seven-tenths of the stadium are disengaged, which is another word for don't give a fill in the blank. Right, right. And that number hasn't changed for many years. Put it the other way, about 30% of the workforce says, I'm satisfied. I'm engaged here. Exactly. Oh, how much performance are we losing? And personally, that just feels crummy. I don't want to be one of those seven out of 10 in the company saying, I'd rather be somewhere else, right? Exactly. And you don't want to be one of the three. Your listeners are probably the three out of seven who care. They show up. They're listening to your podcast when Uh it could be... What's happening is the three out of 10 are really stressed out. And you take people like product managers who have to bring in people they don't even have reporting to them who are the seven out of 10. The burden on the three who care and show up is not, it's not scalar, it's exponential. So what we do is we solve for that. So that's the second thing is worker engagement and motivation. And when we talk about lifter leadership and these group heads, group heads are the most motivated leaders and uh, people, and they create the most motivated workers, whether they're formal leaders or informal leaders. And every company needs that for innovation and productivity. So that's the second problem 
that Mm -hmm. we solve. That's why we're doing this. The third problem that every company is having is building trust and loyalty with customers. Company customers, consumers only trust 55% of companies today. And you can see why with all the news and stuff. So what we have found is that these group heads and lifters, we're going to talk about lifters later, are the most trustworthy. They build trust and they have believability and likability that actually translates into loyalty of workers, loyalty of customers, loyalty of vendors, and contribution to the community. That's the third uh, challenge. And just to interject, so Everyday Innovators, when Fresh and I just first started talking, he made an observation that I was a, a lifter leader. And I didn't really know what that was at the time, right? And we're just learning this now. It was interesting to me. I have the opportunity to help companies improve their product capabilities and create create products that customers actually love. And recently, one person that brought me into their organization, I said, you know, why did you pick me over, you know, some key competitors that I'm aware of? I said, well, you know, I talked to those other people and I didn't really have a good feeling. When I talked to you, I trusted you. Mm-hmm. And that's a big aspect. If yeah. we're creating products that customers actually love, we need to also establish a rapport with our customers Amen. and be seen as someone that is trustworthy. Exactly. And that's a skill, Chad. Okay. We teach these skills. It's not just something you can just switch on. Yeah. Right. Um, and one of the lifter mind shifts we'll get into, I'm going to cover the fourth problem. Um, but one of the lifter mind shifts we uh, teach and train, because there's four, it's basically a system. It's a, it's a, it's a framework. Um, we call it lifters who are the future leaders of this planet are uh, exhibit the mind shift of tune or consequences. They're attuned to authenticity, their own authenticity. And you talked about the feeling, right, Chad? We help our product managers and our gearheads get out of their head partially because we're very good in our head and get into that feeling because it's through feeling that we can have compassion and empathy for others. We can listen to our customers and hear things no other competitor can hear because they're focusing on how do I sell them what I got? How do I sell them what I got? We can inspire our people who work for us so we don't have to work so hard doing their job. And it's a question of this, how do you evoke a vibration of authenticity and integrity? Mm-hmm. This, and there's very specific skills, just like learning a programming language. So we'll get to that in a second. So that's the third problem. Spot on. This feeling, they you were trustworthy. They, and it's a feeling and it's, it's tangible. And in the future, I hope you know someone discovers how we can actually um, – just like a radar system, uh, sense this, uh, like know this feeling just like a quantitative dashboard of click-throughs or, you know, uh, um, compiling code and seeing whether it works or not because this is really becoming very important. And what we help people do is tap into that intuitive side so they can be great leaders, innovators, make the right decisions that are in integrity, uh, et cetera. So that's the third one. And the fourth problem, in addition to the need for innovation and disruptors, in addition to the need for engaged workers who care, and in addition to this need for trust and loyalty, the fourth problem that we solve, and that's it's kind of my mission because it's so important, is the uh, alignment of purpose and social responsibility into the, the milieu of everything you do. So lifters, through these uh, through the, solving these problems, lifters are what we call everyday ordinary leaders. They can be anyone. You don't need a title. You can be you know, a, a barista who elevate their customers, mm-hmm. their coworkers, their community, because they see the world is all connected, and therefore elevate their companies. 
and group heads. Part of what we teach in the group head curriculum is how to be a lifter leader, first of all. So we give you a framework on, hey, here's what the future of leadership is. And now with that as a backdrop, here are the seven great strengths that gearheads typically have. You probably have them and we can rattle them off in a moment. And here are what we call the seven deadly blind spots, seven career deadly blind spots. And often what happens, Chad, as you know, is our strengths often lead to our biggest blind spots because we rely on them. They've led to our success. And so our aperture, our radar aperture closes. Okay. Right. And our focal point becomes more narrow. So we lose that broad 360 perspective. Mm-hmm. We have identified seven career deadly blind spots that gearheads, geeks, product managers have. And then we uh, deliver the seven essential upgrades. It's like an operating system upgrade um, that gets you to be a, a group head. So um, that's sort of the framework that that's the framework that we use. Okay. So how I got into this is I love product managers. I want companies to transform. I want there to be jobs created that support families and communities, etc. And the only way to do that is by creating great leaders great innovators, um, and great lifters in the world. And so that's, you know, my uh, mission. And, uh, you know, uh, fortunately, I've been given the gifts, the background, the experience, the hard knocks on the head, the frustrations, um, right. and the painful learnings uh, to be able to provide this as help uh, to people. I'm interrupting the interview to share something really important. We'll get back to the discussion in just a minute, but I want you to know about an extraordinary system called the Rapid Product Mastery, or RPM Experience. In just nine weeks, you can have a higher-performing product team, meeting only 75 minutes a week with no travel required. One product leader, after trying all the typical training workshops, turned to the RPM Experience to get real change for his team. He said that this is the only training that provides an integrated product management perspective. It did exactly what I needed it to do. If you have a group of 5 to 14 product professionals, learn how you too can have a high-performing team in just 9 weeks, 75 minutes a week, without travel. This is the system created by Chad, based on his experience working as a product leader, coaching several organizations, and deeply studying innovation during his PhD work. Get the guide for yourself at theeverydayinnovator.com slash RPM. So that's your 777 leadership transformation model. Yes. Seven great strengths right. we need to be these, these group. No, you have them. The, you have the, them. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Right. You would okay, be successful. Yeah, identify what they are. Yeah. And then the seven career blind spots that we right. tend to be a, as gearheads that we tend to have. That's right. And then the seven essential upgrades. That's right. We don't have time to do justice to this whole model. Right. But let's go into uh, maybe some of the, let's start with some of the great strengths. Okay. I'll rattle them off. Okay. Gearheads are great at problem solving, being detail oriented, being analytical, inventive, working independently, being action oriented, and being critical thinkers, right? We love solving problems. We get into the, the weeds to figure out, okay, what you know aspect of this experiment? If I'm a scientist, or or um, you know, factor of safety. If I'm a civil engineer, or um, you know, capacitor in this in this circle. Mm-hmm. So and we're analytical, we're inventive, we're curious. That's why we got into this stuff. We like putting things together. We like building things. We like seeing our stuff in action. We're action oriented. We don't just sit around and and conceptualize stuff. We we like to see our stuff our products 
out there in the world, touching lives, making a difference, uh, et cetera. So those are the seven, what we call the seven great strengths that typically gearheads are very over-indexed on in a good way. Right. That's why we are who we are, and it's great. We show up to the table with these already, and, the, and these are our strengths we tend to exhibit. Yes, exactly. Especially coming from some kind of technical engineering sort of background. And in product management, we're all about trying to solve problems. Exactly. Right? Scope, schedule, cost, resources. Yep. I mean, this, that's a constant Rubik's Cube. It's, it's a multidimensional Rubik's Cube. Uh, and unfortunately, you don't have the, just like these little you know, squares that you can move around based on an algorithm. You've got humans. You've got humans you've got to move around. And one of the skills we uh, talk about and we, we train is uh, in the upgrades is managing the human wild cards because that's something mm-hmm. that people aren't as gifted at. Uh, do you want to go through the blind spots? Because It sounds like that would be more fun, right? What do we need to focus on that we aren't seeing at all? Typically, when we rattle off the strength, the great strengths, you know, um, our clients are, you know, they, they take pride and they should. You know, it's like, yeah. And we help people celebrate what they're great at because often we, we're so beaten down by so much work to do, so many emails, so much traffic that we don't take a moment to celebrate our gifts of what we're great at. And we'll get to, you know, this whole notion of, uh, you know, do we shore up our weaknesses or or kind of play to our strengths perhaps later? And mm-hmm. so what we have found is often, and this is in, in, our, in, human, in our human organizational work, not just in our program uh, product management work, is as humans, our greatest strengths often lead to our biggest blind spots. And we right. call them the seven deadly blind spots. And here are the seven. So I'm going to say each one and give you like a second or two to just have your own thought listeners and uh, listeners be kind to yourself. Don't be too hard on yourself. Don't, don't be, don't be too hard on yourself and don't overthink this. I want you to feel, feel what it feels like getting back to the feeling. When I say these are the seven career deadly blind spots, these are the things that end careers that stall them, that create roadblocks, that create frustrations, that make you unhappy in your job. And when you see other people moving ahead, it can be very disconcerting and, and stressful and, you know, frankly, have real consequences for your career. So here are the seven deadly career blind, seven career deadly blind spots. Gearheads who haven't transformed into group heads are poor communicators. And we just, we just not have, have not been trained. And we, we see that the technical organizations around the world, and we've worked in every continent, they'll give a little bit of lip service and a little bit of, you know, here's how you present, here's how you communicate. But it, it takes so little of, their, of the uh, curriculum's time and attention, given you've got to learn all these technical things, that it doesn't do it justice. So poor communications, number one. Number two, gearheads tend to be micromanagers. Now here's the fun part. I do keynotes everywhere. And this is, this is so funny. So I will ask the audience, and this, I'm talking every country there is, this is what's beautiful about humans. Say, how many of you have ever worked for a micromanager? And then pretty much all the hands go up, right? All the hands go up. How many of you loved working for someone who was a micromanager? None of the hands go up. Okay. This is tens of thousands of people. Right. How many of you have been a micromanager? 
<laughs> Listeners, it's- raise your hands. Okay. So it's a skill right. that needs to be learned. And we, we teach what's called macro management. How do we elevate above? So the second deadly blind spot is gearheads after being poor communicators are micromanagers. I'm going to go a bit faster. The third one is gearheads lack customer centricity. They often have disdain for the salespeople. They, they're like, wow, why is the customer want that? It should really be this. And, or they're just so disconnected that they just don't have that end customer's perspective. Okay. And what we help people learn is very easy skills. On how do you get into that so you can have unique insights, non-obvious ways of seeing things, come back, innovate, bring your team together in a way that blows your customers' hearts and minds. Right. So we've said many times here, we need to be passionate about the customer's problem, not our solution to it. Yes. Amen. Absolutely. Passionate about the customer's problem. And I would add to that, Chad, because I tend to be a glass half full lifter, Mm-hmm. Not just focus on the customer's problem. I would also have another radar on. I, I believe you created an over the horizon uh, radar. You were a pioneer, weren't you, in creating? Radar? <laughs> uh, once upon a time, I wrote a, a simulation for the existing OTHB radar. Yes. So tell us what that means, OTHB. <laughs> so the over the horizon backscatter radar is a large radar that uh, sits, I assume it's still in operation, sits on the east coast of the U.S., that bounces energy off the ionosphere, so it bounces energy towards the sky, and then back down so it can see much further than radars are limited by the curvature of the Earth and exactly. can't see because of line of sight problems. So that's non-obvious. So that's a, that's a brilliant non-obvious innovation because prior to that, and I worked in radar, we assume that you have to send a signal out, like a bat would send a signal out, it would bounce mm-hmm. off of something, and then it was called line of sight, come right back down to you. That's the kind of things that were pretty much in place. And so someone who was non-obvious, who saw things from a really different perspective, said, wait, what if we were to use the ceiling of the earth as a big dish? Right. That's non-obvious innovation. And so lack of customers, like what we say is there's a customer problem But I would also say, where's the opportunity? Okay, so open up your over-the-horizon radar and go see ahead for the customer. And what's the opportunity? Because not all things are problems that are great, that have been created. Like I didn't really have a, quote, problem before the app Shazam was invented. I mean, I guess I did because I'd hear a song and go, what's that song? And I could pull that song out. But it wasn't like, you know, killing me where I was like, oh my God, I need someone to solve this. But it's a it's an opportunity to create something right. that's never been created before that people didn't even know they needed. And Steve Jobs, plenty of quotes from him on the internet around customers don't know what they want. You got to pull it together as the product manager, one of the greatest product managers ever around what's needed. Chad? Yeah, I was going to say every Apple product is, is one that saw opportunity, right? Exactly. And we don't ask our customers what they want, but we do deeply understand what they want, what they need and what their problem is, what the task is they're trying to accomplish. Exactly. And then we bring our design and innovation skills with our team to that to create new opportunity for everyone involved. Exactly. And it can be breakthroughs. We've created some great breakthroughs. So uh, for those of you who are detail-oriented gearheads, then you will know that we are now on number four of the seven deadly Career deadly blind spots. So we've covered poor communicators, micromanagers, lack of customer centricity. Um, the fourth one is gearheads miss the business human trade-offs. 
they miss the business and human trade-off. We get so enamored with the technical eloquence of the solution or you know the product manage like all these cool aspects of the product and the user experience and all this cool stuff that we often miss the business and human trade-offs which is this has got to get out on time budget um, other requirements that may be explicit or, or uh, not explicit and we miss mm-hmm. human trade-offs which is hey there are humans now who have lives they get sick they have family they have issues and so we need to bring that in as the third pillar of our excellence beyond our technical product management capability where's the business aspect and where's the human piece of our team uh, and those around us and bring that into a trifecta and that's one of the deadly blind spots that that technically people or often don't get. They don't understand that empathetic aspect. I have this overwhelming thought, and I don't know if you can see a little tear in my eye, actually. I can um, see. I can see I, two tears I, in your eyes right now. Getting He's a, little a really beautiful about this. man. For those of you, he's so, so full of heart. <laughs> Here's my thought. I, I've been involved in product work, engineering work, and product work now for almost 30 years. And the, as you said that last one, what just rushed over me was, I wish I would have known these things. I only have learned these things like in the last 10 years, right? Huge difference. I wish I would have known them starting out. Uh, me too. How painful. I have had so many painful th- interactions. Yes. I know my career would have grown. It grew fast, but I know it would have been better yes. if I had these things under my belt. And I really feel for the listeners right now that too. aren't there at the leadership spot that really want to be even if it's just over your own competencies and how you interact with others around you, you know. these are blind spots that don't take a lot of work to to actually improve in. No, no. And what's great and, is- And once you do, it just opens things up for you. It, it'll open up new worlds, really. Yeah. I really appreciate you, Chad, because you get it. By the way, the the duckling whisperer really has such heart. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm looking at him on our Zoom <laughs> session and he's he's blushed up, he's crying, Um and he really has heart. And that's one of the things we teach in our uh, gearhead to group head work, as well as in our lifter training work, is the need to move from IQ to EQ, which has been shown to represent a 55% of the difference in people who become leaders and those who don't, to what we call HQ, the human quotient. And we help you move through that evolution. And by the way, before we cover the last two deadly blind spots, what you learn from this training not only helps you be more respected in your work, um, Mm -hmm. become a leader, make more money, uh, practical things, uh, be a great innovator. All of these skills, side benefit, we actually call it like the bonus module, help you in your relationships with your people. Absolutely. Okay. And and that extends beyond just the professional side. No, this is like like my wife and I, like, like our families, our friends, you understand these skills, you will, people will appreciate you more. Like I see uh-huh. Chad tearing up right now. And I'm like, I love this guy. He's, he's empathetic for what, what you all have gone through. And he's like, dang, I wish I would have learned this. Why am I in this Chad? Dang, I wish I would have learned this. And I spent right. a lot of time being jealous. We talk about helping us tap into our envy to see where we might have blind spots is one of the skills and reflections in the course. And I tell you, I've been very envious. I put other people down. I'm like, that guy's an idiot. Why did he, he sucked up? No, he actually had skills mm-hmm. that were beyond the IQ. Uh, so let's rattle through the rest of these uh, here and then we can uh, yep. jump to the upgrades. So poor communications, micromanagers, lack of customer centricity, missing the human business trade-off, weak conflict management, 
Okay. Limited creativity outside of like technical creativity because we're very uh, creative around, hey, why don't we use this composite material or, hey, there's this new chip from Intel. So we're creative around that, but we're talking about like creative at a whole different level. How do we be creative about motivating our teams? How do we be creative about finding a way to take 10x out of the cost and make a better solution uh, that meets the customer's need? Like That's creativity beyond like right. within the confines. And this is what we love doing because it unleashes power. And then the last of the seven deadly blind spots are uninspiring leadership. That's mm. what we're here to talk about. So this is essential, Chad. And you know what? When I see you cry um, and feel for these product managers, um, uh, we feel the same because part of what we help you do is tune into your intuition and your heart, um, which sounds very touchy-feely, but let me tell you, it's like learning a new language. If you've learned Python or Swift or something, you can't be stuck in just the Fortran COBOL days. Our heart is now a dashboard. It's something we can use to attune to, hey, I've got a, a, an idea that's inspiring. This might be a creative way to solve it. Hey, I'm listening to my customer or my teammate, and, I, and I'm able to make some some connections that I couldn't with my IQ brain. Right. And listeners, we're going to run a little bit long. This is really important. Uh, if you can't connect it to it that way, the way I connected to this, I had the opportunity to take a leadership development program through the Center for Creative Leadership early in my career. Oh, yeah. It showed us this, this graph. It said, this is the average for all workers in the world, especially technical workers. Your career goes along at this nice, you know, slow incline yeah. for the first 10 years. Then there's a pivot point. Yeah. At that pivot point, your career continues the same exact trajectory. Um, which is what most of the population does, yeah. or it takes off like a hockey stick and it you know, goes almost straight up. Exactly. And the reason is because they are people who have conquered these deadly blind spots. Totally. They know how to interact with other people, build a network around them, yep. and lead differently. Totally. And you know, here's the, here's the scary part, and this is why there is a little bit of tears, is you see people frustrated, you see people struggling with their families, they want to make more money, they, you know, they, they, they feel that they're capable of doing so much more. Here's the scary part, and, and we, we you know, share this in our course, and we you know, help you uh, kind of align your own gifts against this, is guess how many new STEM grads Science, technology, engineering, and math are created every year, Chad, between Russia, China, India, and the U.S. How many new, fresh, hot, hungry science, technology, engineering, and math grads are cranked out? Guess. It's a big number. Um, let, let's. I have no idea. Uh, 8.3 million. Whoa, 8. that's really big. 8.3 million new people who are smarter in many ways, faster. They are state-of-the-art in understanding what's going on in the world. And so uh, our compassion for technically-oriented people is you got these people like snapping at your heels every year, 8.3 million, and many mm-hmm. of them are geniuses. And so- you know what? Let me calibrate 8.3 million. Do you know that 8.3 million is four times the number of Uber drivers in the world? Wow. It's 20 times the number of employees in McDonald's worldwide every year coming to get you. Mm-hmm. 20 times the number of McDonald's employees <laughs> in the world, new engineering grads. So you got to go to the higher ground and yeah. lead the and- and, yeah, exactly. They they need the leading and they also need to understand how to become leaders in the future. Exactly. And that's why we have the seven essential upgrades 
Good. are the following. I'm going to rattle through them. Uh, and Good. Them rattle away. You wish. Okay, here are the seven essential upgrades. It's like an operating system upgrade. And you guys as product managers, you're fast learners, you're eager to learn, you're on this podcast. So um, bravo, hats off to you because you're going to get this. It's just a skill, a set of skills like anything else. The seven essential upgrades to transform from a gearhead to a group head. Number one, being a lifter leader. And we've talked a bit about that. Lifters are purposeful, positive, authentic, high-integrity leaders who take action that is team-oriented towards a higher cause. Lifters, they know that by elevating their coworkers, their customers, their community, they elevate their companies. And so that is the sort of the overall umbrella in which we teach this is the state-of-the-art, cutting-edge leadership, irrespective of what function you're in. Marketing people are learning this from us. CEOs are learning this. Lifter leadership. So that's the first essential upgrade is how do you be a lifter leader, which is a state-of-the-art new type of leader every company needs. Number two, how do you be in a productive dialogue? Okay. And a lot of that means listening. The third one, how do you be a non-obvious innovator that stems from our legacy running the non-obvious company? How do you be a great innovator who comes up with ideas and is able to get them through a pipeline, through a process where you nurture some, you kill some, you double down on some, you don't give up on them when the quarter gets tough, uh, and great stuff comes out of the other side of the pipeline. Okay, Non-obvious innovation is the third upgrade. Lifter leadership, productive dialogue, non-obvious innovation. The fourth one is strategic agility. We elevate you to see the big picture, to be a strategist, because that's what leaders need to be, is connect that ceiling with the ground and go, how do we connect yep. the big purpose of, the, of our company, what our customer's opportunity set is, what, the, what we're passionate about with the tangible, strategic agility. The fourth one is being a macro manager, not a micro manager. The sixth one is one that we're getting tons of interest in uh, more and more in our workshops and the keynotes and things we're doing is being a storyteller, hmm. inspire. Everyone needs to be a storyteller today, Chad. Uh -huh. Everybody. If you want. Yeah, it's, it's a topic we've talked about many times, actually. The, the need for us, how do we communicate? How do we get people on board with us is to tell stories. We are moved through stories, and that's a great way to communicate. Exactly. And whether you want re more resources, you got to tell a story if you need an extra headcount. You yep. tell a story if you want budget. You need to tell a story in meetings. You need to tell a story to customers. You need to tell a story in a one-on-one -on -one with a human uh, who you know you're having some exchange with. Maybe um, you know that person has some personal issue going on. And how do you inspire people into the right action? So storytelling is one of our most popular workshops. Uh, and then the last of the seven essential upgrades is what we call managing the human wild card. The humans are wild cards. They're not predictable. They're not like systems, which is input, output, and with a transformation function in between. That's where it used to. It's like, okay, I put the input in and the output comes out, whether it's a computer, whether it's a simulation model, whether it's a chemical experiment, whether it's, right. you know, doesn't matter. And we're used to a transformation function, input, output, and humans are not a transformation function. They are chaos theory. And so a great leader understands a great group head understands how do you manage these human wild cards so those are the, right that's the seven 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 and the whole idea is to jackpot like a slot machine um like my mom loves going to the slot machine uh when we go to the casino and she'll play like the penny slot machine it's like ka -ching, ka -ching, and you get like seven, mm -hmm. seven seven and she'll win like 120 pennies she's like oh, i want 120 <laughs> it's like great mom it's a buck 20 so 
777. Seven great strains that we help you celebrate because you don't celebrate them enough. The seven career deadly blind spots that you got to solve or the 8.3 million will trample you. Right. And by the way, AI is coming on the other side of this peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So you have 8.3 million new people who are coming up at you every year, smarter, uh-huh. faster, hungrier, state of the art. And you've got AI taking away a lot of the problems that um, people like us solve. A lot of systems right. can do that. So if you reside in that third space of having these upgrades of a group head, you will always be in demand. And frankly, if you think about it, the 8.3 million new graduates being created from uh, uh, China, India, Russia, and the U.S., um, you know, many of these people are you know, much more strictly technically oriented, and learning this other stuff is hard for them, right. harder um, just because of who they are in, in every country. So not all 8.3 million who are cranked out can learn these things. They're not wired for it. They're not rewarded for it. They're not in a work environment that gets it. Um, they have to hustle and they'll do whatever they can to pay for their meals and they don't have the time to invest in this. So this is the good juju. This is the good stuff that will get you to a new level. And the lifter leadership is a big umbrella that if you get the lifter leadership aspect of it, and there's a TEDx talk, we can point your... Um, yeah, I'll include the link to that. That would be a good one here you too. You are a lifter, Chad. The, you are a lifter. The, you, you care. It's about... Pay it forward, servant leadership, helping others, but you're helping managers and lifters, by the way, just so we're not getting too theoretical or too touchy feely as we you know cry and, and share all of our heart here. I am hardcore about business. Okay. That's why I have succeeded and help CEOs around the world build and transform their organizations. Lifter leaders and companies that practice conscious leadership that involves purpose, authenticity, integrity, teamwork, mm-hmm. rather than me work. Companies that practice conscious leadership practices like the lifter leadership that we train perform 10.5 times better, according to the Harvard Business Review. And a group head can actually be that impetus as you started off talking about, that focal point yep. within an organization. And if you are the one, or one, not the one, if you are you know, one of the people who can bring people together to innovate, create great things, motivate, build trust, connect with social purpose, d- disrupt. You're, you are, we basically want you to bulletproof your career. You will always have a career. You will future-proof your career right. when you learn this because every company is looking for people who have the skills we teach because it's rare. Presh, we will have you back because this is obviously an area I'm passionate about. I want product managers to become product leaders, not just to help their organizations more, but for their own confidence, for their own effectiveness. And we'll dive into that. I also know that we are short on time and I love a good innovation quote. So I'm going to ask you for one. I I always ask guests for one. What do you have for us? And just uh, share a little bit about what that means to you. Sure, Chad. Um, You asked uh, me to think of a quote around you know innovation or mm-hmm. leadership in general. And um, so I, I was meditating on that this morning. One of the things I also do is I teach mindfulness, uh, yoga, uh, and kind of wisdom uh, uh, because 
organizations are bringing all this together too, uh, mm-hmm. which is kind of out from left field, maybe even 30 years ago. But now people are understanding the connection, that nexus, that focal point between you know innovation and mindfulness and you know personal development, um, what you're talking about here, mm-hmm. uh, and business outcomes. So. I was thinking, well, which of the quotes, you know, that I've, and there's so many quotes from, you know, Gandhi and Goethe and sports folks and the folks who created the Ferrari and Porsche and all these great quotes I have all over the place. And um, I needed to get back to you with a quote so that, you know, we could explore it. And um, you actually inspired me to finish a, like a, a quote that I've been saying in some of my yoga and meditation classes. And so I'm going to try it out on you. So this is a quote by Paresh Shah uh, mm-hmm. uh, penned on uh, this date in we heard it here first. 2019. Great. Being well-rounded is for wheels and marbles, Chad. As a human, I'd rather show up lumpy. And tell us what you mean by showing up lumpy. Well, you know, you and I talked about this earlier. So much of the way we are wired, and I, I imagine many of your listeners are are the same based on all the work we've done. Uh, I doubt they're any different. Is like if you got all A's and a B minus, what are you going to do? You're going. Your parents, if this was young enough, where you have parents over you. You're going to be told to work on the B minus. Exactly. And we do all these performance reviews. We do a lot of work with human resources departments that want transformational leadership in their companies. And you know, in the performance reviews is like, oh, you know, Paresh, you're really great at, you know, um, you know, inspiring and, um, you know, doing your project management, et cetera. Um, but you need to communicate more to your team or whatever the but is. So then what do we do? We put a whole performance plan in place and what are our corrective actions and we're going to come back to this to the extent you have the bare minimum like respectable skills in most things i think being well-rounded is overrated my wife and i uh we don't subscribe to it for our children uh because there's so much pressure to be Mm -hmm. well-rounded you know really good at academics and music and dance and you know social work and all this stuff I think it's worse than overrated. I think it's a waste of human potential. It's actually disruptive. We, disruptive actually. It is. It's disruptive. So, and in your example, it should be, if you're deficient in that one area, hey, you know, Susan in our organization, she's really good at that. Why don't you two just work together more? Exactly. Exactly. And that's what, you know, group heads understand is who's the natural leaders who, who have that as one of their lumps. We say that lifters are yes and people. Right. And it used to be they'd say, hey, are you good with numbers, Chad? Or are you good with people? Or are you creative? And you had to like box yourself in. And what product managers, your audience understand is these boxes are like, they shouldn't confine people at all. Mm-hmm. They should be where they where their strengths lie. And right. so lifters understand like you, you're great with people and you're quantitative and you're creative and you've got this podcast and you're a professor. And so you you're playing to your lumps. And many of mm-hmm. the, we call it lumps because we've had to have some lumps on the head to realize, be yourself, do what you really are great at and go triple down on it, put it together in a way that's uniquely expressed because that's your unique gifts from God. This is mm-hmm. like, we're all unique. Let's not try to be well-rounded. And so we right. encourage the students that I lecture to, don't be well-rounded, find out what you rock at and go 10 times on it. Mm-hmm. So that's what I mean by this quote. Uh, and I ask your audience to really think about what are your lumps? What are you great at? Yeah, I love that. Being well-rounded for wheels and marbles. 
as a human, I'd rather show up lumpy. Okay. Or it's like a, it's like a highly faceted diamond. Diamonds don't roll down the street easily, but they're, but they have these facets that they shine, they illuminate and they actually re, you know, the, the, the light beam gets bounced about and resonates and, and, and gets bigger and bigger and sparkly because of that facet in a similar way. We are all those facets. You're a facet. You're the, you know, uh, the, the duckling whisperer is one of your <laughs> right. facets. Uh, I am now. <laughs> and you're, tra- you're, you're a swan. You're, you're a transformer into swans. And you do all these. You're an engineer yourself. I could still yeah. have problems or, uh, that you would be a contributor around in some non-obvious way. So that is, uh, I would encourage everyone to think about is what are your yes and qualities as a right. lifter leader? And, and my TEDx talk uh, talks a bit about this. And really... Go deep in a couple of areas because as an innovation trainer, teacher, speaker, coach, it's at the intersection of ideas, at the intersection of experience that great ideas come and that great solutions come. That's really good. Thank you for encouraging us to embrace our lumpiness. (laughs) And we've talked about some resources. I will put links for sure in the show notes to resources like your TED Talk. And tell us how people can find out about the training that you do, the, the different work that you're involved in. Where can we go? Sure. There's a couple of uh, places. Uh, one, uh, we would encourage everyone here to certainly go to uh, G2G Academy, gearhead to grouphead, G2G Academy.com. And uh, there we uh, have some resources, uh, a diagnostic to see you know where you are on that gearhead to group head scale. I bet you're all mm-hmm. curious about that. Um, <laughs> we review some of the seven uh, deadly blind spots and uh, you can get in touch with us if uh, you or your organization uh, needs uh, you know, a workshop, a keynote around this stuff. Um, and we've been doing this for years with corporations. And what we found was we just couldn't um, you know, always have someone available or the client couldn't afford us. Uh, So we've uh, just uh, launched an online academy uh, for small business owners, for people who want to, you know, uh, be entrepreneurs, uh, for people who just want to take care of their own career development. And uh, and many companies are just reimbursing them for taking this. So that's uh, on that same uh, class. And for uh, your folks, Chad, um, if you come to g2gacademy.com slash TEI, which stands for the Everyday Innovator, g2gacademy.com slash TEI. Uh, we'll have some goodies for you in addition to the diagnostic. I have a book forthcoming. We'll get you guys some free excerpts and previews of it. Wonderful. Uh, and we've got the Lifter Leadership Training, uh, my TEDx talk, that uh, I, I encourage you all to ask yourself, how are you a lifter? As you read that, as you hear that talk, your number one question for you is, how are you a lifter? What are your lumps? Okay. So go to g2gacademy.com slash TEI, and there'll be some resources there. The other one is uh, to go to iamalifter.com, and there'll be some more resources uh, there as well. So those are the two. And then if you're looking for non-obvious innovation, broadly speaking, and workshops around innovation, uh, our company is called The Non-Obvious Company, and the website is nonobviouscompany.com. Uh, we've got a Wall Street Journal bestseller. Uh, we predict the future, predict trends every year. We've become quite good as, at that as our lumps. Mm-hmm. We predicted over 100 trends, and we actually review all of them in our recent uh, Wall Street Journal bestseller to show you how mm-hmm. we did, honestly. And so we can give you guys some good uh, yummies there as well. So uh, put all the Excellent. resources there. Right now, go to g2gacademy.com slash TEI. Excellent. Thanks for the resources. Thanks for making a special page for us, g2gacademy.com slash TEI. 
All those links will be in the show notes to make that easy for listeners. Presh, we could keep talking. We, we talked for a long time already. Really enjoy the information and your spirit and how you're helping us as product managers really become, even though we want to stay lumpy, a little bit well-rounded in the sense of, of how we interact with others, working towards leadership. And right. You become group heads. Ultimately, it's group heads. It's a beautiful thing. We want you to be group heads. And that doesn't mean having a huge empire, which is an old connotation. A group head is the person that people go to and say, hey, you're a natural mm-hmm. leader. You get these skills, you get these upgrades, and you've overcome the blind spots that we typically have. Well, I appreciate that as well. Thanks so much. Thanks again for listening to The Everyday Innovator, where product leaders and managers make their move to product master, learning practical knowledge that leads to more influence and confidence so you'll create products customers love. Find the written notes of our discussion with Paresh at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 217. Keep innovating. Thank you for listening to The Everyday Innovator, which teaches product managers to become product masters. For more resources, please visit theeverydayinnovator.com.